Dagon's Illusion, Episode 32, The Dreams of Eustace Twinch. Lonely, so lonely, for a woman's touch, a mother's touch. Lonely, so lonely, for a lover's touch. Never to feel it, never once. So never, never, not once more, paint a woman again. And that's the way it had been, painting spirits of darkness and light, and when he was angry, painting Dagon. But not women, not girls. Eustace didn't even look at them much. Then, half a year ago, the dream had begun. It wasn't like other dreams. Since he was a child, all the others had been patchworks of lucid nuttiness exploding around him when he closed his eyes, but one night, Eustace had fallen asleep, and his eyes had opened in the city. He had awakened, standing beside a silver fountain, sculpted into the form of a winged horse rising into the air, and the only sound was the soft splash of water. The fountain was in the middle of a wide street. Slowly he looked up. Above him towered strange, lovely buildings woven of gold and crystal, each was shaped like a great snowflake, and no two were alike. Yet all were connected, resting one on top of another, high into the sky. It was a city built without pattern, yet perfectly symmetrical, as though heaped by a great blizzard into piles of intricate splendor. All the millions of crystals flashed rainbows, and in their diffusion the gold was like softly melting fire. Filled with wonder, Eustace had begun to walk down the wide street, then into a smaller street. After that, along broad avenues, through gardens lush with flowers and dewy fruit, past crystal cottages woven beneath great pinnacles of rainbow light. As beautiful as it was, the city was empty. Though Eustace walked and walked, he didn't see a single person. Not that this bothered him. In his world, there were too many people. People, people everywhere. People asking questions. People staring through the door while he painted a toilet seat. Being alone made him feel that the city belonged to him, and the peacefulness of it whispered joy in his heart. After many hours, he came upon a shimmering lake. Tall willows dangled their leaves in the water. Reflected in it was the highest point of the city. At the intricate peak of the snowflake buildings was a fire that burned like a blue star. Eustace was growing tired, and the soft grass beside the lake looked like the perfect place to take a nap. Lying down, he closed his eyes and awoke. To his disgust, it was morning, and he was wrapped in a dirty sheet scrunched up on his own bed. He tried to go back to sleep, but couldn't. So he ended up punching his pillows and groaning. All that day Eustace thought about the dream. In his whole life no dream had ever appeared twice, and if this one didn't come back his heart would be broken. There was something about the city that made him long for it as though it were his real home. The dream did come back, and that first night was the beginning. Every night thereafter he would close his eyes and return to the city where he would wander for hours, staring at the loveliness, drinking sweet water from the fountains, and eating delicious fruit from the trees. Often he would see himself reflected in a wall of crystal. The Eustace of this city was tall and handsome, 
and there was no bumbling in his walk. He liked the sound of his city voice. It was deep and strong, and there were no croaks or stutters in it. As he explored, he would talk to himself and sing, and that was where a tinge of sadness entered. In a world where his words flowed, there was no one to listen. Many times he called out, but no voice ever answered. So he wandered and wandered, and as each dream day passed, the sadness grew. Then one day on a little street, he found a tiny garden. At the end of a mossy path stood an easel with a fresh canvas. Beside it was an artist's table with brushes and paints. The idea of painting in the city had never occurred to him, but clearly painting was what he was supposed to do. Then came the question, what should he paint? He was used to painting splendid weirdness, but here there was none of the interdimensional chaos that seethed through his normal life, no spirits demanding his creative attention. So what he chose to paint was something that he had never painted. Eustace painted a dog. As a little boy, he had always wanted one, but the orphanage would never allow it. So he painted the one that he had dreamed about a mutt with shaggy fur, floppy ears, and soft brown eyes that were so real on the canvas they could almost blink. In one day, the painting was finished. He hated to leave it, and he hoped it would be there when he returned. The following night, he opened his eyes and was back in the garden, but the painting was gone. On the easel sat an empty canvas. Eustace became irritated, but then he heard barking, and into the garden ran a dog that jumped on him and slobbered its tongue all over his face. They rolled on the ground, and Eustace couldn't stop laughing. The dog was exactly like the one he had painted. The reality of it overwhelmed him. Could he paint any creature, and it would come alive? All that dream day and the next, he ran up and down the streets with the dog, both of them barking together. Just the sound of it made him insanely happy. The day after that, he painted a large squirrel with a huge bushy tail. The dog sat quietly and watched him. When he returned, the painting was gone, and the squirrel was waiting. Now he had two friends, and for several dream days, Eustace and the animals chased each other through the city. The squirrel loved to climb, so they went high into the empty buildings. Finally, Eustace led them back to the garden. Both animals watched as he picked up his brush. This time on the canvas, he painted a child, a little boy of eight with dark hair and mischief in his eyes. When Eustace returned the next night, the boy was waiting. After that, he painted dozens of children. When he closed his eyes in his bedroom and opened them in the city, he was met with giggles and clapping. The children would run to him and crawl all over him. He would fall, and they would cover him with kisses and laugh when he tickled them. Then he would dance through the streets with the whole troop behind him, leading them on great tours of exploration, telling them stories about other worlds. They would all return to the garden. The children would sit and watch while he took out his paints and created a new member for their family. It was a noisy process. All the boys wanted boys, and the girls wanted girls, and everyone yelled out what kind of hair and clothes he should paint. Eustace was very fair in his creations. His children were every size and color, and interspersed with them he painted an array of cats and dogs and parakeets and monkeys. And the city was never quiet again. But he loved the chattering, singing, yelling, chirping, and barking that met him each night upon his return. 
The children brought him intense joy. In the world of his lumbering body and dull mind, he would never be the father to a single child. But in this dream world, he was the father of a hundred who loved him. But then came the day when the children yelled, No more kids! Paint us a mommy! In total shock, he had stared at them. While they yelled about what kind of mother they wanted, he stood dumbfounded. Slowly, he turned to the canvas. But he couldn't do it. Day after day, he tried, but he couldn't even get the broadest strokes to look right. It was as though all his skills had left him. The children laughed at his pitiful attempts, but wouldn't let him paint anything else. All day long, in the real world, Eustace would think about what kind of woman to paint, but trying to imagine her terrified him. Then one night, he awoke in the city, and the children and animals were gone. For hours he had wandered searching for them. Finally he had returned to the garden. A new canvas was on the easel, but this one wasn't empty. Painted on it was the face of a beautiful young woman. Just looking at her, he fell in love. But there was something wrong. Tears were on her cheeks, and her eyes were filled with pain. He touched the tears, and they weren't made of paint. They were real. As he stared into her eyes, he had awakened. It was the middle of the night, and Eustace couldn't go back to sleep. Over and over, he heard the name Steffi whispering around him. The following day, he had muddled about the club, seeing her face in his mind. Would she be there when he returned to the city? If so, what should he say to her? How should he act? And where were the children? Why had they vanished? Trying to figure it out made him dizzy. That night, when he awoke in the garden, there was no one to meet him. The children weren't there, and neither was the woman. Her portrait was gone, and there was no empty canvas to replace it. Deeply upset, Eustace had wandered, but something had changed in the city. The sunlight had dimmed, the rainbows had faded, and the gold looked dull. Each night after that, the transformation continued. The lovely gardens grew brown and the buildings began to crumble. Broken crystal littered the streets. Black weeds grew up in the cracks and crevices. There came a night when he awoke and there was no sun at all. He walked through streets of gray shadows. It was then that he saw her. She was standing on the balcony of a building. For only an instant their eyes met. Slowly she had turned and gone inside. Eustace counted up to the floor where she had been, then ran to find her. But what kind of craziness was this? In this building, there were no stairs. He raced from hall to hall and room to room, but there was no way to get off the first floor. In the middle of his raging search, he had awakened. The following day had not been a good one. He had growled at anyone who spoke to him. For hours, all he did was draw pictures of hell on toilet paper, which he flushed down. Then night came in the strangest dream of all. As he was falling asleep, someone had entered his bedroom. Though he tried, he couldn't move or open his eyes to see who it was. Soft footsteps walked across the floor, and the person sat down on the bed beside him. Dream of heaven on earth. Suddenly soft lips pressed against his. Never before had he been kissed. It was so wonderful that he started to cry. Then soft fingers ran through his hair and a woman's voice whispered, Please, please help me. Her tears 
fell on his cheeks. A moment later, she was gone. The instant she vanished, the paralysis had ended. Eustace had jumped up and rushed around his house searching for her. Then he had rushed outside, but she was nowhere. Had she been real? Her lips and tears had felt real. He didn't go to sleep for the rest of the night. Instead, he had gone back to the mansion where he had paced through the moonlit gardens yelling curses. The next day, he had been a raging monster. The staff of the club had begun preparing for the hurricane, and everyone was busy. Eustace had done everything he could to get in the way. Finally, Ellie had yelled at him. In response, he had locked himself in a men's room stall. That night in his room, he had been so exhausted that sleep had come in a moment. But he awoke to horror. Once more, he was standing beside the fountain in the city where he had been on the very first day. Around him, all the buildings lay in shattered pieces and black clouds swirled. In front of him loomed a single tall building that hadn't been there before. It was made of white stone, and from out of it a shaft of darkness rose into the sky. On the top floor a fiery red light was burning, and from out of it oozed crimson liquid that ran down the walls like blood. As he stared up at it, he heard a woman scream. Eustace ran to the building. When he reached the glass doors, they were locked. Throwing all his weight against them, he crashed through. Then he ran up flight after flight of stairs. When he reached the top, he heard the chant of voices and terrible shrieking. The sounds were coming from behind tall wood doors. Smashing through them, he found himself in a huge room. In the center was a bed. Around it stood seven men wearing robes with cowls that hid their faces. On the bed lay the beautiful young woman of his dream, and they were killing her. One of the men pulled back his cowl, and his face became visible. Eustace saw it, and his long, dyed black hair. With a roar, he ran toward him, but the roar woke him. After that, he had cried, praying to go back so he could kill them. But the nightmare hadn't returned. His dreams became jagged, meaningless flashes of rage. In his agony, Eustace had taken to the streets, wandering for miles, mumbling obscenities. Then, the day before the storm, he was striding through the French Quarter when he had seen her. Half a block away, she had gotten into a limousine with four men. He had yelled and started to run, but before he could get to her, they drove away. It was then that he had entered his shack and begun to paint her picture. It was then that he had begun to hear the whispers of heaven.